0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I am Brad Van Vutt.
1: I'm Emily Van Vutt.
0: So we are back this week. Um, later on the show, our main segment, we're going to be talking about some bluffing games that you can play with two players, a mechanic not, not often seen in two-player games. Nope. Um, We have a couple new games to talk about in our opening segment. But before we do that, just a reminder, follow us online, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you search at Tabletop for two, you can find us there. Uh, Of course, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music or any other podcaster that you use. We have a BGG Guild, number 2623. Definitely check that out as well. And we are always listening episode topics from you guys, so if you have something that you'd like us to talk about from a two-player perspective, then drop us a line on um, any of those social media sites that we had mentioned previously. Mm-hmm. And also a little cross-promotion. Um, if you're a video game fan... Make sure to check out the video game <laughs> podcast in the TNP Studios network which is called Dense Pixels and check out the YouTube channel which is youtubecom Pixels, where we just did a bunch of uh E3 content this past week. So I've been very oh, busy in the, beginning of the they. Week. Yes.
1: They did a lot.
0: I'm doing a lot of stuff this week so but uh, but now we're here to so talk about some I. board games. Yes, yeah, we we've been working around the house like crazy, the past. Week. I
1: went Hulk on our pool in the backyard, and that thing is down finally. Yes, yes.
0: So it's it's been it's been a very eventful week for us so far.
1: Absolutely.
0: But we've still managed to find some time to play.
1: Not a lot of time, but we have played a few games.
0: Yeah, the, the time that we have spent, it's been playing mostly uh mostly new stuff. And yeah. one of the games that we played that was new uh, is the. Much bandied about Terraforming Mars, um, a game that has already made its way into, like, the top ten on BGG, if I'm not mistaken, even though it's been out for a very long time. Uh, Continually out of print, we managed to pick up a trade copy that happened to also come with a Meeple Realty insert for it, so that was a good deal. Oh,
1: my God. The first player... Token is adorable.
0: It's it's a it's a Mars rover. I love it. That's very nice. I I we had to give a food chain magnate for that. So that was a.
1: Uh, but it was I mean I was, it of was the, good, that was a good trade for the you know monetary value. Psh, that was great. Yeah, it's
0: a good trade. Yeah. Um, Terraforming Mars. The game itself is somewhat of a. It's a car driven. It's got some engine building. Um, that's probably the primary focus, I'd say, of the game. It's got mm-hmm. some area control along with it as well. Um, because you and each of the players are literally trying to take Mars and you're each representing a corporation and you're trying to terraform it um, as you see fit. And the terraforming is a necessary part of the game because the game will end once Mars has reached a habitable level of oxygen and temperature, water and, and temperature uh, for the human race. So that's that's what you're all driving towards. But in the meantime, you're trying to score victory points and the way that you're going to be. Often doing this is by through card play. So each round of the game, um you're gonna be drafting you're gonna be drafting cards uh, that are dealt to you. And those are the cards that you have to keep in your hand. But not only do you have to draft the cards and choose the cards you want, but you also have to pay for them. So you have to make sure that the <laughs> cards that you pick are the ones that are going to help you. <laughs> Emily's laughing because when we first started playing,
1: I was not, I was half paying attention when he was explaining it to me. And mm. you have to buy the cards.
0: So you admit that this is a product of your own making, then
1: kind of sort of yeah. but when i but then when i asked you i'm like so i have to pay for this and then i have to pay for it again and you're like yeah but you didn't
0: you oh know. i explained it you just yeah. didn't listen like there, so anyway. there's 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 a there's a small fee when purchasing the card itself <laughs> there is a usually much larger fee for actually playing the card out was, in front of you i was you.
1: paying double
0: Yes. Yeah. Not. Not ideally. We fortunately we managed to catch it early on in the game He's and like, balance Why out the do you money. I have
1: so little money. I was right? like, because you have to pay for these and then pay for them again. He's like, not the full price. I'm like, oh shit. That's what I was doing.
0: Yeah, but, so, but you can't keep every card that comes your way. I mean, you can, but it'll hamper you later on right. down the road. Um, and the different cards, there's three different types generally. There's like one-shot instant-use cards, uh, which have an effect and then go away as soon as you play them. Um, there is permanent effect cards, which give you special abilities or symbols, um, which are used for other cards, things like that. And then there are action cards, which are cards that, um, when played in front of you, basically give you an action that you can activate Every round as well, and each of these cards has varying costs. Um, they also influence your other resources. So you have a ton of other resources like steel or titanium and steel and plants and energy and heat that you're trying to compile that you have to spend in different ways. Um, and the cards are basically going to adjust these. There's also resource production that happens that those tracks get adjusted as well. Through different card play,
1: well, and like uh, like he said, there's symbols on some, on some of the cards, and um, like like I had one where I needed energy symbols, so I had all these energy symbols, and I played out this card, and it's like you get to add one money to your thing for each energy symbol, so you know you gotta kind of work around whatever you're trying to do.
0: Well, the cards give you a direction to kind of to kind of steer off. It's kind
1: of it. however they fall for you. I mean, that's how it seemed to fall for yeah. me was that I was getting all the energy.
0: I can see that. I can see that. And then you're also um, a lot of the cards worth victory points at the end of the game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the cards acquire specific types of resources as well, which make them more valuable at the end of the game. You'll also get victory points for controlling different areas on the board, like the different gardens that you can put out, which help raise the, the temperatures because they emit greenhouse gases and the different cities that you can build on the board. You'll get victory points for those depending on how many gardens They're surrounded by it. So just lots of ways to earn points. Um, And it was a pretty good game. Um, I definitely see why it's getting the amount of hype that it does. Now, I think the two-player version, I've I've heard this complaint about it before, um, does last a little longer because the end game triggers are the same whether you're playing with two players or with the full contingent of, I think it's five players that you can go up to. Either way the game ends when each of the gauges gets maxed out basically. So with two players obviously each player is going to be doing more personally.
1: I feel like we did pretty well though. I it
0: it did kind of drag on for me at the end of the game a little bit but by that by the time we got to that point though I didn't care because I was having fun with the engine building. Because once the game gets rolling, that's really when you can start. You, right.
1: The first couple of turns kind of suck.
0: Well, it's slow going because you don't have a lot of resources built up. It's one of those types of games mm-hmm. where, you know, your, your resources are limited and your production is limited when the game starts. So that you can't just go flying off. Now, we did play the beginner game, which uses generic corporations for each car- for each player. Um, the advanced game does have other corporations that are used. Um, which each corporation has like a special ability, so I think hopefully that'll help with it. There's also a whole other set of cards that's in the box that we didn't shuffle in that are also like an advanced game sort of thing. So there's definitely a lot of replay value in the box for sure. Um, but yeah, Terraforming Mars was good. I I can see why people were so hyped for it. It's not the best thing I've ever played. Like
1: I was No, but I really had a lot of fun. Oh no, it was a
0: lot of fun. I so let me ask you this question because this is what I was thinking about okay. when we when before we start playing it is if we'd gotten a chance to play this last year would this have made our top 10 for the year? I don't know if it, it would have made my top 10. I don't think it would
1: have. I think we had a strong enough top 10 that this wouldn't have cracked it.
0: Right. So like, said, this was good and good enough to stay in our collection too. I mean,
1: maybe top 20.
0: Well, cra- I mean, we didn't play that. Many <laughs>
1: no, but I'm I'm year. just <laughs> saying <laughs> like yeah, but it wouldn't crack that top tier I don't think
0: no it, it like I said good enough to stay in our collection good enough to warrant repeat plays but I wasn't over the moon for it. I'm not I, I'm actually a little surprised that it shot up the uh the bgg rankings as fast as it has yeah because like I, I I think it's good I think it's not that good I will tell you I, I am really glad that we have the the insert mm-hmm. and the um player trays that are fancy because man if we had to uh if we had to like position the cubes on that Flat surface, and if they got jostled, that Again, would be that would be yet another reason I'd be
1: happy to have the table because the boobs wouldn't be pushing things out of the way, yeah. and then I would forget where it was and everything else.
0: Watch well, Eclipse is another one where it's like that, where there's a lot of like the exact positioning of your bits on your player mat are very important, and if they get knocked about, it could be very difficult to oh, remember yeah. where everything was. So, the insert that I if you do like this game and you play it, I would definitely recommend checking out one of the. Insert or player tray options well, that are out they,
1: there. I, they do sell the trays separate, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're really really nice. Actually,
0: they were. So but yeah, Terraforming Mars. Um, we like it. Like I said, it's gonna stick in our, stick in our collection. If I already you, made
1: it go on the shelf.
0: Yes. Yeah. So yeah, if you like uh, if you like drafting, it works. It's a good drafting game for two. If you like. Um, Actually, I don't even know if you would consider that card drafting, really, because it's not like you pass the cards around. You're just kind of mm. picking from stuff that's given to you. More hand management, I guess. So, yeah, that's Terraform mm, Mars.
1: more luck of the draw.
0: Also, could, also, too. It's funny, though, that you like this and you don't really like Race for the Galaxy. Because, to me, I could see them fitting a similar... A similar vein.
1: Race for the Galaxy was like a foreign language.
0: I'm, I'm saying once you get past the symbolism, though, because one of...
1: I like Roll for the Galaxy. Right. Race for the Galaxy just was... And also possibly a byproduct of us playing it too soon. Mm-hmm. Maybe if we tried it again now, it would be better, but maybe we played it too soon when you we heard, first started. You heard
0: here first, Emily is going to need to go ahead to reacquire Race for the oh, balance and Oh, I check
1: am it out, not. So. <laughs> I am not. Oh, lordy lord. He would, too. Can I tell you, this man loves to reacquire shit that he's already bought. Yep. Next on the list, we played Morocco. I like this game.
0: Yeah, this is the um this is a game from Eagle Griffin. It was developed by Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle, who also designed Fleet.
1: Another area control. Yeah,
0: kind of sort of um this one's much more of a straight ahead like strategy game mm-hmm. though. Um yeah, in Morocco, you are it, so the way the game works is that you are acquiring information cubes. Um and the way that that's done is actually kind of clever because um, each player will take turns. There's like a, a pentagram on the board, and at each point, one of, there's five different color information cubes, and one of these cubes resides. And each player take, takes a turn moving this pawn to one of the points on this pentagram, and that player will get the color cubes that are adjacent to that space, but then the other player gets the color cube that's on that space. I didn't really find it necessary to really pay attention to what I was giving Emily when when we were playing mm-hmm. but it's a cool mechanic nonetheless. Yeah. And well, then in the in the second and you have part to of roll it, dice Oh, well, that's only you start with two to... players. I don't oh. worry about that. So uh,
1: well it's kind of important because if they want to play with two players they need to know it's that. It's not
0: an important rule to go over. And then on <laughs> the on the side of the board um there are 25 market stalls and they're arranged in a 5 by 5 grid and at each point below the grid and next to the grid there are there's a set of these five cubes that are lined up along the way, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to put workers inside these market stalls. And to do that, you spend two cubes. Um, that
1: of the of an intersecting you
0: yeah, have an intersecting point, and you can put one of your workers in there. And then there's actually a couple of different types of workers. There's standard workers, there's tourists, and then there's bodyguards, which are worth two workers. They're kind of like the big guys in Carcassonne, mm-hmm. as I described them to M. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to get a worker value of four. Um, inside of the market stall. And then once that happens, the stall will close down. And it's important because whoever has control of the stall will score a greater number of victory points, but it also lets you put down your like a control tile that has an arrow that points in one of the four orthogonally adjacent directions. And that's a big deal because that arrow basically gives the stall that it's pointing to. A worker value of plus one for you, so it makes it easier to take over the next stall. Each stall also has a number of these. Also makes
1: it easier to be combo-tastic.
0: Yeah, that's well, and yeah, because you can. But if you point at a stall that has a worker value of three, then that'll trigger that stall, and you could conceivably close a bunch of stalls with one action. Yep. Um, There's also juice tokens that go around the stall um, that are worth two to four points that you claim based on where your worker is positioned. Inside the stall, but some of the stalls, basically each, almost every juice tile is shared by four stalls. But it's whoever the first to claim it is the one that actually gets it. And that's hidden scoring for the end of the round. So that the game just kind of goes around in that fashion where you're taking turns, first claiming cubes, and then putting your workers out. And you keep going until a certain number of stalls get closed. You add up all your extra victory points, and whoever has the most points at the end wins. Very simple game.
1: Right. There's also gold coins,
0: right? Yeah, they, you let can, you position, they, they let you position. They let you swap, swap out the position. position
1: of colored cubes on the sides of the board. Yeah,
0: if you needed to.
1: Sorry, I just thought I'd add that because that helped me out a lot. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, but you like this one a lot, huh? I did. It was slow going at first, I will say.
1: It was, but I think that was I was trying to get the hang of it too.
0: Well, there's not much you can do until well, you start getting some extra cubes right. to put out your. To put out your uh, better workers. Um, the tourist worker basically lets you, he moves on to another stall when he's done, but then, but it's only like a one shot deal for that to happen. Um, yeah, like I said, a very simple game, but I, I enjoyed the plan ahead nature of it, trying to, you know, plan and trying to be the first to grab those juice tokens at a specific stall, like, you know, if you're opponent. And
1: I was swimming in juice tokens.
0: Well, we both were. I mean we both got a lot of points Crazy. from that. Um but yeah, trying to like race your opponent to them as well was kind of cool. So yeah, this was um this was good. And and a quick game too. I think we played it the first time in about forty five minutes, mm-hmm. give or take. Um
1: yeah, we'll shave that down over time.
0: Yeah. Yeah and, and Morocco is solid. Um it's definitely on the lighter end Of the medium scale, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, So it's not something that we'll probably play too terribly frequently. But this one is short enough that we could also, if we want something that has some strategic depth, but we don't have a ton of time that this might hit the table in those kinds of instances, I think. So, yeah, Morocco was good. Um, Would recommend, for sure.
1: Thumbs up for me. Yep.
0: You you want to start talking about Town Center? (laughs) Because I know you're not going to have a lot of complimentary things to say about it.
1: So we got Town Center in a trade.
0: Mm-hmm. I've had my eye on this one for a little bit.
1: He thought I would like it because it's city building.
0: <laughs> Pardon me.
1: But it's not the kind of city building I like.
0: What I mean it's not the type of it? It reminded me a lot of a very much more complex version of like Blueprints.
1: Well, I liked Blueprints though. Mm hmm. Cause I was actually trying to, you know, make something, and that made sense. This one, the, uh, I, don't, I still can't wrap my head around. If I have this kind of building, I can add more of this kind of building, and yeah. Well, was, so so it's a it city. Little convoluted. It's
0: it's calling it city building. I think is half the story. I think town center is more of a city development game, but it's abstracted with well, these... Well, you told
1: me, honey, oh, a city building game. Well, I mean, it
0: is, but but the but the development point is is much more pronounced than this one because it's kind of abstracted because you have a small grid and the city is represented by these colored cubes that you buy that are nondescript, just colored cubes that have specific colors. And each color corresponds to a specific type of building. Um, and you are trying to Essentially, you're trying to get office buildings into your city so that you attract residential buildings because essentially if you have a built-up office district that's near a small residential area, that area will grow to meet the demand of the offices. And then conversely, if you have commercial stores that are next to built-up residential areas... Those will expand as well to meet the demands of the people that are living there. And commercial stores are a means to an end during the game because they'll get you money. Um, you can also get, you know, you can also build a parking lot, which gets you money too. Money is more of a means to an end in this game. You do get points for money at the end of the game, but it's much more of a way to purchase expensive tile or expensive buildings, essentially. But the residencies are going to be the primary method of scoring at the end of the game. That's what you're trying to build up, is these residential areas. The reason why M didn't like it, I think, and the reason why it is a little complex is because explaining how the development aspect works is a little tricky on your first play.
1: That, and I got frustrated. Okay, what was it? Blue cubes and green cubes. You cannot build blue on top of blue unless you are able to develop because of another well, no, you set can't, of buildings. You can't
0: construct... Resonances next to residences, and you can't construct commercial buildings next to commercial buildings, but they can develop to be larger as they go. You just can't do it yourself, if that makes sense. I kind of got it most of the way through the game, but M was really far gone Yeah, with this one.
1: No, I just... Well, and at a certain point, I kind of just checked out. I'm not going to lie.
0: Yeah. Well, I you, I could tell you were getting frustrated, so... Which is a shame, because like I said, I think the game is kind of clever, um, and I think I liked it more than I let on, but I, I also get why M was not a fan of it, because it was a little overly complex for what it was.
1: That's what I said. It was too, too rulesy for what it was.
0: Well, I wonder if this is an instance where the presentation of the game kind of belies the depth of it, if that makes sense. Because when you look and you just see these city tiles and these unassuming... You know cubes that are very just they're just plain cubes that are colored, you know what I mean? There's nothing to script about them or anything of that nature. Right. I could see where you might um you might kind of get suckered into thinking it's a lighter game where it's actually not it's it's not I would call it even heavy, even but it's it's a lot more complex than most games like that would be, so like I said, I dug it, I know you didn't we're getting rid of it because I don't think you want to give it another chance nope, and that's fair, so that's uh that's, I
1: think I've gotten to the point now where I know mhm. If I will allow a repeat play or not, Fair this enough. one is a hard right, well, the, pass. Well,
0: that was Town Center. Laced M, not a fan. Nope. That's okay. Um, I'm
1: not going to like everything, just like no, you're not going to okay. like everything.
0: So the last one that we're talking about this is actually a game we've had for a long time, but we haven't really talked about it on the show. And it's and we we busted it out yesterday for the <laughs> first time in a long time. And this is Ghost Stories from <laughs> Antoine Boza. Um, it's been
1: over a year since we played. I know it. It has.
0: might be over two, honestly. It's been. I, I know it's been a very, very long time since we played it. This is. This was the first ever cooperative game that I think we bought. And
1: this was in our collection when we just had like Carcassonne and Ascension, and then we bought Ghost yeah. Stories.
0: It's still probably one of the most brutally difficult co-op games that we own. And
1: we got our butts whooped in how long last night
0: oh it didn't it didn 't feel like minutes? it took very long, yeah, ghost stories for those that have never played it before is a game where you are like Buddhist monks basically trying or not Buddhist monks because you have swords and stuff you 're basically ninjas trying to protect this you're
1: town samurai.
0: i wouldn 't no you 're not samurais. where you 're trying to protect this this small village from. Wu Fang and his ghostly incarnations. And the village is arranged in a three by three grid, and then each player has a board that resides next to this three by three grid. And then there's there's always four board four player boards on there, whether you're playing with less than four players or not. And during your turn, um, every turn that you have, ghosts will appear on the board. And the ghosts usually come packed with some sort of terrible debilitating ability um that that, that come with them as well. And when it's your turn, you can move optionally to one of the other spaces on the on the map. But then you have a choice. You can either try to exercise one of these ghosts that is next to you, or you can ask for help from the the tile that you're standing on, because each tile also has like a special ability that you can take advantage of. Um, some of them let you instantly kill ghosts, some of them Give you like these Buddha statues that you can place which kill ghosts when they land on them some of them gets you these special tokens which makes ghosts easier to defeat you can resurrect your dead allies stuff like that stuff to help you along your way basically um, when you attack a ghost, you take three colored di- dice and you roll them um, each ghost has like a number of symbols that are of a certain color, one of five colors, and if between the number the colored symbols that you roll and these extra tokens that you possess, if you have enough that you can uh, spend on that ghost, then you defeat it. And it goes away. And might get you a bonus also when you do that.
1: I think part of our problem last night was we weren't getting uh, any help as far as getting some nice ghosts at first. We got, Mm. like, from the get, we got hammered with you know, Haunters and everything else.
0: Right. And eventually, if you survive long enough, um, Wu Fang himself will be in, reincarnated and pop out in one of ten different, each worse than the last reincarnations. Oh if you can defeat him, then you'll win the game. Um, if you let a number of tiles in the village get haunted, if you all die, if you run out of ghosts, then there's lots of different ways that you can lose. I the
1: don't game. know who's worse, Wu Fang or the ancient evil ones in Eldritar.
0: Well, we'd have to see Wu-Fang before we can make that termination because we're really bad at ghost stories. We're, like, we're insanely bad we at this game. We love to get
1: punched in the face by this game is what it is. Because I think, yeah, I think we've won twice.
0: Yeah, we've played it quite a bit. We're just playing on regular difficulty. Um, it's, yeah, it's a game that values preparation I think even more so than execution. we
1: didn't have a chance to get prepared last night because they just started coming at us hard. And well the
0: problem is that we got a lot of the cards last night that have what these what they call haunting ghosts, which basically creep toward the village, and if they approach the village, then a then a tile that they're next to gets haunted. and again, if three of these tiles get haunted in the village, you lose the game. So uh-huh. they are kind of a top priority. When they pop out on the board, some are easier to defeat than others. It's still a really fun game. Like I said, even though it's even though it's really difficult, there's a reason it's hung around our collection. Um, it doesn't make it to the table often in terms of and our cooperative you tried games. Tried to
1: get rid of it.
0: I don't think I did try to get rid of it. I don't remember. No, that.
1: when we were going through a thing, when we were going through our list of stuff. Oh, I know? just
0: asked you if you wanted to because I know we hadn't played in a while, and that and the fact that you didn't made me want to get it back to the table. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Now there's a couple expansions out for this game. We don't own either of them because I don't think we really need either of them. Um one of them I think makes the enemies harder, which I can't imagine why you'd even need that. But
1: why? But okay. <laughs> it's bad enough as it is. I mean, why do you need to make it worse?
0: No, but it goes, yeah, Ghost Stories is a is a great co op game. It's also quite it's got like four different difficulties level difficulty levels, and it's pretty simple from a rule standpoint. So it's it's something that even non gamers I should, I wouldn't say non gamers but like less experienced gamers can probably get into as well. And like I said, since we hadn't talked about it and we just played it, I figured it it's it'd very be as colorful and pretty
1: though. I love it.
0: Well, uh, the art's also very evocative. I don't know if I'd let a young child uh, play this because some of the ghost cards are not the oh yeah they're pretty gnarly looking. yeah they're pretty some of them are pretty gross looking so. Yeah. But like I said, it works with the theme, so mm-hmm. so I can dig it.
1: So something we've been struggling with here is whether or not to back the new Zombicide.
0: Yes. So on Kickstarter right now, um, the sequel or newest big expansion for Zombicide, Black Plague, which is called Green Horde, is on there. And there's some cool stuff. Um basically there's zombie orcs that are in this version of the game. And there's a cool mechanic where they like this horde of orcs builds up outside of the game for an indeterminate amount of time. And then at some point they'll just all be unleashed simultaneously. And you'll have this giant uh giant contingent of orcs flowing toward you. And we like Zombicide Black Plague a lot. Um, it was in our top ten Games of 2016, when we talked about that in an episode, um, probably our favorite, I would say, of the cooperative, like skirmish style games. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot of fun, and the Kickstarter for that came with a lot of great content that we have. But I think Is that
1: the one with the wolves, mm-hmm. the wolves came with. Yep. Yeah.
0: But I think that Em and I have at this have now hit the point with with Simon Kickstarters where. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's too much now. Yes, I think it's too much and
1: too much monetarily wise for us because we can only do so much mm-hmm. and too much with we don't even have enough time to play with all the stuff we have.
0: Well, and that's the biggest thing is that it's
1: we the, have to be really discerning at this point.
0: Well, the Seamon stuff. So what I've what I figured out is that for a certain type of gamer and the type of gamer that we are, where we tend to play a lot of different games, there's just, it's, it's diminishing returns because it's impossible to get through all of the content. Like for example, we love Arcadia quest. We have the base game. We bought the main expansion. we we still haven't finished the campaign in the, Expansion,
1: but we are on the left. we got one more to well, go. No, we
0: are, but I'm saying we had we got all of our Inferno stuff from Kickstarter recently that we, we haven't even really touched yet because we still haven't been able to just make time to to get through. Well,
1: it. no, there's been time, but you keep shooting me down because you're afraid I'm gonna kick your butt again.
0: Well, that's not even <laughs> true at all. But I'm saying we like we like to play lots of stuff. On um, the others is one that another game that we like a lot that came with a lot of stuff that we just don't. Play very often. There's a whole other big expansion with that one that we haven't even looked at because we're not even at the point where no. that would be a thing yet. And I think we just finally came to the realization with this homicide campaign. I'm like, yeah, it looks cool. There's going to be a lot of stuff with it. There's obviously going to be like a ton of stretch goals, extra characters, but monsters. We just can't. can't do it at this point. Just can't pull the trigger. And it looks really good. And if you don't have Black Plague, I would say that this might be the version to pick up because some of the mechanics that are in it look really good. But yeah, it's just, we're at the point now with, with Cmon Kickstarters that it's just, it's too much. It's too much stuff. And I'm, I'm glad we kind of realized that so, so that we're not kicking out, you know, these hundred dollars every couple of months on the stuff. Now I say that and I still have a feeling that whenever the next Arcadia Quest thing comes around, if it looks cool, we'll still probably end up back it.
1: Well, but I feel like that's our favorite.
0: It definitely gets played more often.
1: So I than all feel the others. like that one's that one is more justifiable because we play it more.
0: I would agree, but yes, but
1: still. It takes up so much space.
0: It does take up so it much space. It takes
1: up so much space. Like, I literally have an Arcadia Quest cube, and then there's still boxes sitting on top of my shelf.
0: Well, we have we have the five by five KLAX shelf or Expedite. Expedit. yeah, whatever. It's all the same thing.
1: No, the KLAX are more have the real sharp corners. The Expedit it's had rounded corners. It's the same corners. design. I'm just telling people you,
0: people know what we're talking about. But anyway, we have the five by five one, and and just the just between Zombicide others, and Arcadia Quest. That's it probably takes up like four cubes, actually, I'd say. Probably.
1: Oh, yeah. Because I did just move yeah. stuff. Yeah,
0: So it looks cool. If you are a fan of those games, I would certainly encourage you to check out the Green Horde Kickstarter. If you have not played Zombicide, this is the version to get. Um Some people still don't like it. I, 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 I'm, I'm fine. You know, if you don't like it, that's definitely your prerogative. I, I understand why like a dice chucking game is not going to be for everybody. I think Zombicide, especially Black Plague, is tremendous fun, and Green Horde is definitely the cool way to go. For us, though, we're just at that break point with CMON Kickstarters that we just can't justify it anymore. So this one's probably going to be a pass for us. Yep. But again, just, just want to talk about it since that was what was on our Kickstarter list for this month. For our main topic this week, um, one of our listeners, Justin, asked us to talk about some good bluffing games that are good with two players. Now, like we mentioned up top, not a feature that you find in a ton of two-player games because normally bluffing is something that goes hand in hand with a lot of like social games. Mm -hmm. Um, Think like Skull or Ultimate Werewolf or
1: things of that nature. Yeah.
0: but there are still quite there are still quite a few two player games out there that utilize it or games that you can play with two rather that utilize it in a pretty effective manner as well. Um there's a few different styles of bluffing games. Obviously like the one common thread that you'll see in order to bluff somebody you need information that is hidden from your opponent in some way shape or form whether that's you know hand of cards whether that's a secret objective that you have whether it's your positioning on the board and those kind of go in with the different types of games that we uh that we found that kind of had bluffing so the first one pretty obvious um would be like hidden movement games so you know think your Mr. Jack's your you Spectre know your, Ops. your letters from Whitechapel things of that H where one player um is moving around the board unseen and get, and clueing in his opponents to where he is, and the other players are typically trying to hunt down that one player or catch him in some way, shape, or form.
1: Well, wouldn't that also be... Um, oh, what was the one we played with the dry erase markers?
0: Oh, alien Escape from the Aliens in Outer Space? Yeah, that one Yeah, that one. would qualify, too, yep. for sure. Um, the, those, those all kind of fall... Any game that has hidden movement, you can certainly utilize bluffing um, to full advantage. Um, the next one is kind of like... Hidden information, which, I mean, to be fair, ever, all of these games we're going to talk about have some level of hidden information to them. <laughs> what I'm talking about here would be, you know, your knowledge of certain aspects of the game that your opponent doesn't have or, you know, strategies that you've laid out that they're not aware of based on, you know, often it's face-down cards that, or hand of, a hidden hand of cards that kind of give you that info. Um to keep that source from your opponent. And then Hidden Objective Games is another one that I kind of fell in. And this is where your opponent doesn't know what your objective is that you're trying to fulfill. and But they can possibly deduce that by... Basing it on like what
1: what moves you're making, right? Yeah,
0: like what your positioning is on a board, stuff like that.
1: What kind of cards you're taking, or so forth and so on. Right,
0: and you, and you can use that. You can use the fact that your opponent's trying to figure that information out to your advantage, trying to bluff them as mm-hmm. well. Um So let's go into some games that work really well with two players. <laughs> let's let's start with just straight up hidden information. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the grand the king oh, daddy of all for me is undoubtedly Android Netrunner, which I will never stop talking about on this show where the corporation player essentially gets to play a almost every card that they play gets played face down in their area. And the opposing player who's the, the hacker or the runner has to figure out what those cards are. And often they spell bad news for him. If, uh, if he doesn't prepare himself or herself well to take on those cards, I love the bluffing aspect in and Android Netrunner. And I love and, and the reason I love it is because you can play with especially if like if you have a local meta or if you're you, you know your opponent's really well versed with the game, you can play with their expectations on what you're doing and kind of go off type to sort of fake them out. Like if they think that there's a specific piece of ice that you laid down that they're not gonna touch, but then it turns out to be nothing but like a crappy piece of ice that you knew they wouldn't check, essentially. Or if you I remember when I slow played um, in a tournament, I slow played a Project Beal, which is a scoring card that you can keep piling tokens on, and it's worth more points when you score it. Well, my opponent wouldn't run at it because he thought it was a trap. Like He thought it was like a, like a, like a death card, essentially, that I was piling tokens on, and then eventually like I guess he forgot that card existed, so eventually I was able to flip over the card and sc- win the game by scoring this one, this one agenda. Which was pretty cool. So, yeah, Android Netrunner for me is the absolute grant, you know, number one two player bluffing game if you're going to get into that.
1: I get it. I just don't like it because I tried. I tried. I'm glad that you found somewhere to go to play it because mm-hmm. I know you liked it so much. I just couldn't get down with it.
0: Well, another one that. You haven't really been able to wrap your head around, and we haven't. You and I haven't played it all that frequently. Is but Yomi. I won't
1: let you get rid of it either, because you keep trying to get rid of it.
0: That's true. Yomi is um is the fighting game card game from Serling. Let's Games. call
1: it Street Fighter the card game.
0: It's it's a pretty close adequate for Street Fighter, where it's but also but which the main which is mechanic, my darling
1: husband's like favorite game ever.
0: Yeah, but the main mechanic of the game is a rock paper scissors mechanic, where each player. Playing one of their cards face down, you flip them simultaneously, and you're trying to outguess what your opponent is going to do on um, that turn because attacks will beat throws, throws will beat blocks, and blocks will beat attacks. And you can often use set use use that to set up like Probably a combo dodge a block dodge block and dodge are kind of the same thing. They just have different effects. Um, but you can use that to then whoever kind of gets the advantage can often use that to chain into like a combo. Um, on their opponent, which is kind of the main way that you deal damage, and I think this game is very clever um i I actually prefer it to Battlecon, which is a much deeper fighting system and also has some of the same aspects but Yomi's did, hmm
1: did we play that one
0: we did you didn't like it, so we got rid of it almost immediately
1: uh-huh
0: um Yomi I
1: don't, I don't even remember
0: Yomi is simpler, but I feel like it's much more streamlined um that's why it works
1: well. I like it because it's got all the fun characters that I know from. Puzzle mm-hmm. uh, Strike? Yes. Yep. My buddy, was it Argagarg? Mm-hmm. I love him. Yeah, it's
0: got the Fantasy Strike characters <laughs> in it.
1: Um, let's see what else. Oh, Fugitive. We just got this one not too long ago. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, this is- totally forgot about this one in in all this. This is exactly what <laughs> we are talking about this episode.
0: You know, and, and this is where the Fugitive player is trying to fake out the. Um, the Marshall by playing down, you know, with the step cards especially that let them advance further along. Um, That's what you're trying to do to bluff out there. Of course, once the Marshall correctly guesses the stuff. And
1: as we found, it is much easier to be Tommy Lee Jones than Harrison Ford in this game.
0: Yeah, I think the Marshalls won every time we've played so far. Yeah. Which which means that both of us are probably not good (laughs) Fugitive players. No. (laughs) Unfortunately. Um, another one, card, especially card-based, you'll find a lot of these games tend to be card-based, because they're the easiest ways to hide information from Absolutely. your opponent, I feel.
1: Oh, yeah. Thunder and lightning. <laughs>
0: yeah, this is another one. Well, this has kind of the Netrunner <laughs> thing, where the positioning of the cards <coughs> matters, and you're trying often to bait your opponent into going after specific cards.
1: You mean, like, when I unleashed a nightmare on you?
0: <laughs> yes, and nuked the nuked an entire row. That was not fun. Um... And oh, was and great. when it gets ramped up, when you when you introduce the crown or the ring into the game as well, basically the objective card for the other player that they're trying to find to win. And I remember the last time we played, I had your winning card just kind of chilling out towards the back of one of my rows, but it was a row that you didn't. I wasn't doing much with, and you weren't really. Trying to peck at it, so I just kind of had it chilling back there the entire game.
1: Meanwhile, this one kept searching my hand, and the... What was, I think it was the very last card I picked up Mm -hmm. was the, was the crown, the ring, whatever it was. Right. And I was just like, and he's been searching all game and he's so frustrated. And I was like, it was literally the last card I picked up.
0: Well, and and the other reason I think this one works too is because both players have the exact same deck. So both players know what tricks the other one have up their sleeve no matter what. So you can kind of use that to your advantage as you go as well. Um, the last one that I wanted to mention, and this is one that doesn't get brought up often, but I know that you and I have used this to our advantage when playing this is Lost Cities. And
1: yeah, you use a jerk when we play this.
0: Well, Lost Cities is more of the one where you're trying to kind of slow play your opponent into giving up on like on a certain color that they're Mm -hmm. trying to develop and then they'll just start and they'll they'll kind of finish off that color they'll play a high card so they can't develop anymore and then you just start slamming out low cards left and right so you're trying to i I don't know if it's bluffing per se
1: no you know what makes me angry with this one what makes me angry with this one is when you decide i'm gonna hoard all of the hand multiplier cards
0: well that's another way to do it too
1: and all of a sudden I'm like, fine, I'll start laying these out. And then here you start something like you jerk.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like so like I said, <laughs> it's not it's not bluffing, I guess, in the most traditional sense, but I feel like that you do definitely use like mis misdirection and deception oh, to kind of further your needs
1: absolutely. with
0: this one as well, not not necessarily tip your hand right away.
1: Ooh, I like the Lost next studies. one.
0: Well and this so I, I can only think of two games for hidden objective. Um and they're kind I can of think of another one. Well well why don't you give me yours first before we get into this? Scythe. What with the what you get the, you
1: get two hidden objectives in the game.
0: Oh, eh, kinda sort of but it's not the I'm main just saying It's not the main focus of the game side of yes, the really But you that.
1: can you can do those to, you know, for a means to an end for the end game. Yeah. I don't it also helps you to craft your strategy and then you know for other things within the game in, as well
0: in talking about these other games I'll explain why no, I don't I get it hun yeah. I'm
1: just saying you want to talk about hidden objective you don't know what I have I don't know what you have
0: right but I also inside so. I don't really I don't really pay attention to what you're doing either you know what I mean like I'm not trying to prevent you from achieving your objective no
1: you're trying to steal my stuff
0: Right, but I'm but I'm saying like your objective is something that you're kind of working on yourself. But I don't really care what you're doing because I I there's too many objectives to know. But the ones that I put on the list were um, Twilight Struggle and Thirteen Days, which are just two sides of the same coin. And actually, Thirteen Days probably benefits from the bluffing aspect much more than Twilight Struggle. Because so with Twilight Struggle, it's if you happen to draw a scoring card, you can either start loading up in that scoring zone. And your opponent will probably realize that you have that scoring card in hand and they'll either let it go or try and counter you. But or, th-
1: right, but 13 days, mm-hmm. you know what cards the other person drew because you put your tokens out on. The well, you know, board. one of
0: three. Yeah, one of three that they have. And
1: well, no, you have to put your tokens out for everything, but yes, you know they have one of those three, so you at least have that much information.
0: Right, so you can go, if you really wanted to, you can kind of go full bore into one of those objectives to trick your opponent and see if they will waste time trying to counter you. I'm
1: real good at this game.
0: Yeah, you tend to win more often than not. Um, <laughs> I mean, you can kind of do it in Twilight Struggle, too. Like, let's say Which I have is the funny, because East... I
1: feel like I'm terrible with bluffing.
0: It works out, though, all right.
1: Because, like, I remember what was it, Sheriff of Nottingham, I felt like I was terrible with that, mm-hmm. you know, because there is the bluffing because you don't want them to search your stuff. And, right. Yeah.
0: But thir- 13 days pulls it off really well. That's why I struggle less so. I mean, if you're really clever, like, you know, maybe if the, if the you, if your opponent knows that certain scoring cards are out there and you have, like, the Middle East scoring card but you start loading up in Asia because you kind of have decent control of the Middle East, and your opponent's like, oh, no, he has the Asia card, and then they'll start, like, loading up over there, and then on the sly you can maybe a couple turns before you play the card Mm kind of consolidate power in the Middle East. So that's kind of one way that you can use bluffing. It's less important in Twilight Struggle. I think 13 days, it's a crucial aspect of the game for sure.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: And do you want to talk about the hidden movement games that are on the list?
1: So I got to say the first game on the list is is Specter Ops. This one, I believe, was a Kickstarter.
0: No. Wasn't it? No, it wasn't.
1: Or was it one that you just had me look at?
0: I just had you look at it, yeah.
1: And he was really, like, into this, really wanted to get it, and and I'm like, no, I just, I don't, I watched a few videos, I didn't really think that I was going to like it. And then he goes and gets it anyway, Mm because that's what he does. But... I ended up really, really liking this one. Well, I got you...
0: it. I got it because we had letters from Whitechapel, and you and you enjoyed that. I did. And I figured that I caught you. You did. And I figured that you'd like <laughs> this more because I think the gameplay is a little bit more, a little bit more fun. Why don't you have Chapel. like
1: Fury of Dracula on here?
0: Well, because we're talking about two player recommendations. And I don't know that I necessarily recommend Fury of Dracula specifically for two. mm Mm-hmm. Because I think it actually probably is better with more players, mm-hmm. but Specter Ops works really well with two players, mm-hmm. and you can make that two-player game very effective. Basically,
1: well, and I think you had me play—you had me play as the the, the fugitive the first time, mm-hmm. and that kind of sold me. I really had a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I, you tend to like playing the hidden role when we do those type of games, so
1: which I didn't think I would, but I do. Mm-hmm. Just like I like playing the bad guy all the time. Yeah, I don't know. I'll know what it is.
0: I don't know. Like, well, in in this one, you liked it because when I was getting closer, you'd start like freaking out, but trying not to tip your hand, mm-hmm. basically. And this is, of course, another one where misdirection is a huge thing. You're trying to make your opponent think you're somewhere where you aren't. So you have different tools at your disposal. Each each of the agent characters well, has. But you
1: get how many? Like the good guys get what? Three characters.
0: Two in the two player game. Two. I
1: thought it was three. Oh, you get the car. Yes. Don't you have the car? Yeah. It's two guys in a car. But
0: you get like the the Asian player gets like a special equipment that they can use mm-hmm. to to help further them as well. Which is kind of nifty. Um and what then what's the other one?
1: The other one. Oh. Um I'm um, um, sorry. Lord of the Rings confrontation.
0: Ah. The uh, Stratego Lord of the Lord Rings
1: Lord of the game. Rings Stratego, yes, basically.
0: Yes, so this this is the one where all of your I units are... I am very,
1: are, very terrible at this game. Yes,
0: you are. You are, you are decidedly but awful But guess at what? This game. I'm
1: also very, very terrible at Stratego, which you love. So, yeah. Not think, surprised that I'm awful at this game. Well,
0: I, I think... Like, this is very comparable to Stratego, but I think that it has a lot more... You just retigo. got
1: this because you know how much I love LOTR. Yeah, I know,
0: and it and it's worked because you liked enough to keep it in the collection. It's not one that we play very often, but I again for two players, if you want that uh, hidden movement style, um, it's you could do a lot worse for sure. This is a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. So if you like bluffing, um, hopefully this list of games will give you a good starting off point mm-hmm. to kind of enter through that. Um, and let us know if we missed any of your favorite two player bluffing games because there's definitely a lot of other bluffing games that we well, have say, that well, we didn't I, talk I, I was, about. I was going to so. say I
1: have to say if you're going to get together with a group of friends, I highly suggest Skull. Mm-hmm. Skull is like the best for bluffing with friends.
0: And see, I would say Sheriff Nottingham also was was really good. I know I know you said you were bad. <laughs> you were very bad at it, but I I think that's a very clever.
1: It is very clever. I liked it. I liked it when we played it, but like I said, Skull as soon as we bust that out, like, all our friends, or our friends will come over and request it, too. So mm. it's like, they're like, hey, can we play that? They, uh, uh, what is it? The coaster game? Is that what they call it?
0: Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> that's basically what the the components for it very cool so uh, so that's gonna be it for this episode Um, again thank you all very much for listening we are an affiliate of the TNP Studios Network so make sure you check out all the other great shows including the Nerdpocalypse Dense Pixels Black on Black Cinema and Mouthful of Toast go to the YouTube channels for uh, Nerdpocalypse Dense Pixels and Black on Black Cinema as well where you can check out some cool content that we've been putting out on there for sure Um, and again make sure you subscribe follow us on the guild all that good jazz and thank you all very much for listening we'll talk to you next episode
1: bye